Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Ladies Talking Leafs. I'm Chris. And I'm Syl. Well, it's been a great month of November for our Leafs. Um, we're, when we're recording this podcast, we're still in November, uh, just before the Ducks game. And uh, the Leafs have a six-game win streak uh, on the road and are 11-2 in November. The 11 wins is actually a franchise record, so that's pretty uh, cool. And tonight they'll be going after win number seven on the road, and that will also be a... Uh, franchise record. So yeah, we're we're doing good. Well, uh, let's hope the streak continues with the win tonight versus Anaheim. It'll make it all the more special with it being uh, Jason Spezza's 1200th game. So let's hope they can get a win for them, for him. And according to Austin Matthews, the player dress code has gone back to suit and tie, and that may be why they're winning. So hopefully they dress to the nines tonight and get another win. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, before we get into the show, uh, we just want to send out that little reminder that if you have any questions or comments about the Leafs that you want to give your thoughts on, please, please, please DM us on social media or email us at ladiestalkingleafs at gmail.com. We're always, always uh, happy to hear from you and include any of your comments in our show. So with that, we have a great show coming up. So let's get to it, starting with the good, the bad and the ugly. And roll in the ladies talking Leafs highlight reel. And then we'll end off with the third period where we're excited to have Toronto Star Sports uh, journalist and author Damien Cox as our guest. So without any further ado, let's talk Leafs. Okay, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, so my good actually is uh, Wayne Simmons. So yeah, he's, as Syl mentioned to me the other day, he's been in our doghouse a little bit <laughs> over the past uh, little bit. And um, yeah, so he was actually, what I think turned it around was when he was a healthy scratch uh, against the Sabres. Ever since that happened, that kind of, I think, surprised him. And um, yeah, he's just been his... He scored the game-winning goal versus the Sharks the other night, which was uh, finally he got that he got that uh, goal. And um, yeah, he's been making some slick moves with the puck, and uh, the opportunities to score have always have been there over the past couple of weeks. He just haven't been able to put it in until uh, Friday night. So, and the other thing I think too, which we didn't mention, I think it was just after we uh, released our last show, but Kyle Clifford, they got Kyle Clifford um, from St. Louis, and I think that because he's basically similar style let's just say to Simmons I think that kind of um competition internal competition um it 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 kind of got the fire going again to to uh the Wayne train so yeah so he's my good oh I I definitely agree with that that that's actually a really good point about Kyle Clifford and that maybe you know the timing of this is that that's why it's always good to have internal competition because yeah. you need somebody pushing you to you know bring out the best sometimes and uh yeah i i agree wayne wayne simmons has been playing much better of late and uh glad to see that he finally got yeah. on the scoreboard as well yeah and it's good to have i think kyle clifford too because in case of injury because we know Simmons has gotten injured before, um, mm -hmm. and in case of injury, getting closer to the playoffs, we need 
that style of player, that gritty player mm-hmm. um, that has experience. That it's it's good to have that in in the lineup and and the internal competition, obviously. But uh, what's your good, Sil? So my good is Austin Matthews, uh, but not for the reasons that we all might think. Uh, my good is basically not just Austin Matthews, but mic'd up Austin Matthews. I thought that was amazing how they had him uh, set up with the microphone and um, seeing his and hearing his reactions to things. Um, This is something that I think the NHL needs to do more of. I mean, we often see this kind of thing uh, during all-star game festivities, that type of thing. Uh, But just seeing it in like a a regular game situation where they're they're not kind of on, you know, performing like they would for in an all-star game situation. Um, I thought that was great fun. And uh, I mean, we see his personality with his celebrations and things like that. Um, I, yeah. I, I want to see more of that. So yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, that was cool. I liked the way he, he was the one that pointed out that Richie, Nick Ritchie did the yeah. uh, the screen on the on mm-hmm. the goal sort of thing. He's trying to showing that he's he's trying to support the teammates, all of them, mm-hmm. and um, so that's good to see. And uh, and yeah, I just wonder how they language wise, like I guess how they how they I guess he's I guess they choose obviously their spots and and right. and and how to like clip the right spots or thing or to get it in the right area, but. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's great for fans to see that, um, like the in-game action. Definitely. Like the, we, we get so little access to players yeah. nowadays and especially too, you know, like, you know, Twitter or social media is, is a, a vehicle that a lot of people use. It's not the best vehicle for them to use because they get yeah. just way too much abuse, but this is a way, this is a one way, uh, you know, demonstration that where we get to see something without them having to worry about like the negative repercussions from that as well. And I don't know, I just, especially now during this time, I mean, I, it'd be interesting to, to see what it would be like on a night where it's not going so great, I guess. But, um, but I, I thought it was great. So anyway, let's move on to the bad. So yeah. who is your bad, uh, Christine? So the bad that I have, again, is uh, this time it's just Jake Muzzin. Last time we had uh, a couple of shows ago, we had the pairing of Muzzin and Hull. But uh, this time it's just Jake Muzzin. I just think this guy needs to be put on a little bit of load management, I think. We we need him um, for the playoffs. And he just looks slow still. I mean, he hasn't. Pl- he's actually played a little bit better I think in the last couple of weeks I agree because I haven't noticed him that much yeah yeah but I just think he says he's not injured I mean he said that before but and we all know the competitor he is he wants to play definitely like he's driven guy that he just doesn't want to be taken out of the lineup but sometimes that load management is uh it would help in some in some cases, even with Simmons, that that healthy scratch that he had uh, a couple of weeks ago versus the Sabres. I was probably load management for him. These older players, mm-hmm. um, I think they it it resets their mind in a way, sort of, and and yeah. just gives them that extra day. But uh, especially on back to backs, like the one that's coming up on the weekend um, with Minnesota and Winnipeg coming up this first weekend of December, I think. Um, like that kind of thing. That's the way you can get maybe give Dermot a chance to come in, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe move up, move up Sandine and see what he does in a second pairing, because mm-hmm. everybody is so impressed and rightfully so. Sandine's doing really well, so it just allows you to allows Sheldon Keefe to, I guess, look at different pairing combinations too, sort of thing, and and um, and get Dermot in the lineup, but. I don't think it's going to happen, but, but he's, well, uh, I don't know. I, he, he, I, he just needs to improve a little bit more. <laughs> I do. I do agree that, I mean, they did, did, they've done such a great job with, um, with Spezza with managing his minutes and stuff. Um, you know, I don't know why they couldn't do the same, you know, with some of these guys, um, with I mean, their, impo- their time. Yeah, he plays an important role. Obviously, he plays penalty kill. So that's, that's the, thing. the thing. It's like yes. his time on on ice is a lot higher, and and it's against the tougher, a lot tougher, more opponents. difficult. Yeah. yeah. So, so having a game, complete game out would be. I mean, I think 
it would probably take buy-in from the players to basically realize that just because they're being taken out, it's not a punishment because that is the number one way that coaches dole that out. So yeah. it's it's their first thought because throughout their playing days, whether they were in peewee hockey or in in the NHL, that these things, these punishments are doled out that way, right? Yeah. So to kind of get their head wrapped around that this is we're doing this for you, not against you. Um, that was that's something that will take a little bit of doing, I think, on the coaching front for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So anyhow, from what I know, Syl doesn't have a bad. I don't have a bad. <laughs> it's I been a pretty really, good couple I, of weeks. <laughs> I normally say Engvall, but yeah. I can't really say that right now because he's actually he's actually played uh, pretty good okay. on this yeah. stretch um, over on the West Coast. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a break and I'm not going yeah. to dig in on him in my bad this time around. So I don't really have anything bad to say. I mean, what can you say bad? Things no, are going pretty well and they're playing great right now. So, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. And also we both don't have an ugly, um, no. which, which means we have a lot of options for the Ladies Talking Leafs highlight reel. So let's roll it. All right. So here we go. In our number three spot, we've already talked a little bit about him, is Wayne Simmons. We've been waiting for Simmer to show some more energy and give us a little bit more offense. And he has four points in the last five games, which is awesome. So he finally scored versus the shark as we, Sharks, as we mentioned, ending a 17-game goal, goalless streak. But he's had so many opportunities in the last few games that we knew it was only really a matter of time that he would get on the board. So, yeah. Yeah, there's not much more we can we can say about him. I think <laughs> I think we've covered it, but he he's yeah, he's turned it around and let's just uh hope he stays healthy and he keeps it going and and maybe the load management thing is gonna come up again for him and he and it'll it'll help him. I did hear that he worked with Barb Underhill in the um in the summertime for his mm-hmm. skating too. So mm-hmm. um he said that that's been helping him a lot and and the fact that his role is a little bit different this year, sometimes it just takes time for a player to uh, to adjust that way. So, yeah, it looks Definitely good for agree with Simmer. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So number two is the kid in goal, Joseph Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what can we say about the 23-year-old goalie? Um, he gets his first win, NHL win versus the Sabres, and he follows that up with a shutout versus the Islanders. And then he has a really strong game versus San Jose and and gets another win. The last Leaf goalie to win his first three starts, this really brought me back, was Damian Rhodes. <laughs> I wow. was like, wow. I was like, yeah. So, yeah, um, he's he's definitely. I mean, the guys have played well in front of him, except for that mm-hmm. Sabers game, I would say. But the uh, but that San Jose game on the Friday night in the third period, like. He made a few big time saves in that third period. Um, the guys kind of slacked off a little bit in front of him, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, would you uh, think of? Oh, I I definitely agree, and I think that I love you know I it's bad for Mrazek. I'm not sure if he's ready to come back or what's the story there, but I think that this is super important because if you look around the league at uh, teams that have. Uh, a number one starter kind of thing. They are grooming their younger, uh, you know, in-house uh, talent uh, to to back up and then one day ascend. And the thing is, is we've got some young guys in the fold for goaltending and we need to see what they have. And you're not going to see that, you know, with, you know, bringing them up every now and again. I think that you are, also need to fuel his confidence because if he's just sitting on the bench and he doesn't get any time, you know, that's not going to do much for him. If he goes back down to the Marlies, this is just going to pay off dividends down the road for building his confidence. And then when he goes down there, he's going to be able to build on it. So I think it's fantastic that this is, this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives us, uh, Sheldon Keefe and and the team basically the option like in the playoffs sure. if there's if there's some injuries that happen at least you mm-hmm. you're not looking at Hutchinson. <laughs> no, and you you know that this guy's going to yeah. give you good minutes. So you have confidence, yeah. 
right. 100%. All right. So number one on our highlight reel is John Tavares, JT. Back in episode four, we said we wanted to see more from our captain, and he has certainly delivered over the last couple of weeks, I think we can both agree. So as of Sunday, before the Ducks game, he is leading the team in points with 20, uh, 10 goals, 10 assists, which basically... Does that is that not his career yes, in a nutshell? Exactly. Like totally. Yeah. Yeah. He's being responsible for all three zones and he's going into the dirty areas in front of the net where we are very accustomed to seeing him in the past. So yeah. he's looking like he's feeling good, playing great. Um yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty I, happy. And as Austin Matthews says that, you know, he loves him too, and so do we. Yeah. Yeah, no, he just seems to be JT just seems to be a little bit quicker on onto the puck and mm-hmm. getting getting into the corners and coming out with the puck and uh and making plays in, in in tight the way he always does in in front of the net and he's fifth in the league in in faceoff percentage at uh, 59.9%. So he's doing good that way as well. So yeah, he's uh he's our captain's definitely giving us what we wanted. He's listening to the show basically. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so with that, uh, we're going to move on to our final segment, the third period, where we have a special guest. So we're honored today to have a special guest with us for our segment, the third period. For over 30 years, Damien Cox has been a sports journalist with the Toronto Star. Uh, he's a broadcaster, and he's also an author, having written a few books, including one called A League of Our Own, The Story of the NHL's First All-Canadian Division, which he co-authored with Andrew Podniks. So you can find the book exclusively at Indigo, and we're going to talk about it right now. So welcome, Damien, and thank you so much for coming on our show. Well, thanks for inviting me. I, this is this is quite an honor, and uh, you guys have been... Uh out there stirring it up and getting Leaf fans interested in what you have to say for a while now. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to be part of it. Well, thank you so, so thank much. You. We are actually yeah. really thrilled and honored to have you. So we're going to get into Leaf Talk. Don't worry, because that's what we do around here. But before <laughs> we do that, we have some questions for you about the book. So the book highlights the unique 2020-21 NHL season and tells stories past and present of the seven Canadian teams. Uh, what audience are are you, who did you really write this book for? What audience are you hoping to attract with this book? Well, I mean, really, it was uh, written for Canadian hockey fans um, and designed in such a way that uh, there would be something there for uh, fans of all seven Canadian teams. That was sort of the the idea because, I mean, there had never been an NHL Canadian division. Well, there had been something called the Canadian division, but it had always had at least one American team in it. So never before had it, there been a, a division made up in NHL history of just Canadian teams. So that was interesting in and of itself. We're in the middle of COVID, which is what created this unique situation. And um, I think it, 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 what we wanted to mine was kind of the relationships between the seven uh, Canadian teams not just currently, but their history. And, you know, what, 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 does, what does Vancouver have in common with Winnipeg? And, and what does Montreal have in common with the Edmonton Oilers? And, of course, you know, Toronto um, being one of the sort of the two ancient teams along with Montreal. And so, it, it, you know, it was kind of ambitious what we were trying to do in terms of linking it all together in one uh, novel season, um, but hopefully it turned out all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I found it really interesting the going the back and forth between talking about the season, the last year, right. the 2021 season, and the history of the teams. A lot of things I learned about the different teams themselves, like the Canucks and their history and how they mm-hmm. thought they got screwed basically for another word uh with the uh with the draft when they first came into the league and uh yeah different stories like that were really interesting so i think it appeals to even like wide variety of age ranges too but yeah yeah. definitely people that are past and present present fans yeah yeah i mean and uh you know something you always wonder what is of you know where you where you fit in the in the demographics of hockey fans and 
I had always laugh. I always kind of chuckle when someone tells me about, well, what about, you know, way, way, way back, right in, you know, 1999. <laughs> 1999 you know i've been watching the league for 30 years by 1999 and um and so you know each team has two chapters and so you know tried to do something much older so with let's say let's say the winnipeg jets tried to do something on the history of of winnipeg getting a franchise and of of hockey in winnipeg you know the host of the third game of the 72 summit series and then you know, later on with when Winnipeg lost their team to Phoenix. And so tried to keep that pattern up with each and every uh, team. Um, I hope it's not too confusing and I hope people follow it. But, you know, it, it really does, I think, I mean, that was the basic issue was that this to me was a historic season. And if you're going to write about a historic season, you need to have elements of history yeah. um, uh, connected to it. So uh, that was the idea. Yeah, you obviously you need to have that context. So, yeah. so go ahead, Chris. The, no, so the next we are a Leafs show here, obviously. So I picked out something that you you noted in the book uh, where you mentioned Austin Matthews and the incident he had with the female security guard in Arizona in 2019, mm. which nobody now remembers. Anyways, it doesn't come up. I haven't heard it until I read this in the book. And uh, but do you? believe that Matthews was the first choice for the Leafs to be the captain. Do you think so? Like, oh, oh, yeah, I absolutely. And, yeah. you know, I mean, even this year, I mean, I wrote a column for the Toronto Star earlier this year, not saying that John Tavares shouldn't be captain, but, you know, wondering whether he was the right choice for captain. I mean, Austin Matthews is the leader of that team. Yes, um, yeah. And, but sometimes the leader of the team isn't always the captain. Um, you know, I think no one would argue that back in 93, um, that, you know, Doug Gilmore was the leader of that team, but Wendell Clark was the captain. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, in this case, I mean, who knows? It may turn out all right in the end. I think ultimately, uh, assuming Austin Matthews eventually signs a long-term extension and, and plays for the Leafs for another decade, ultimately he will be the captain, but yeah. you know, it's, it, it is just a letter. And it's funny the way things turn out sometimes. And it, it may well be that sparing Matthews the extra responsibility of being capped and because of circumstances and the way it happened, A, spurned him to um, do all the things he did last year, mm -hmm. um, lose that weight, get in great shape, and then you know, uh, win the Rocket Richard Trophy, and ultimately may make the early part of his career um, a little less pressure-filled, if that's possible, in Toronto. So sometimes even the events that go funny turn out well for both the player and the team. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I, it's possible that it just wasn't the right time for him yet either, right. and maybe the accolades that he's going to achieve, maybe that's actually better for him to do now without the C and it could make make him a better captain down the road. Right. I mean, look at, uh, I, I don't think it's that, and not just because they're both Americans, but it's not that hard to look at comparisons between Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel. Mm -hmm. You know, Jack Eichel got the captaincy very early, all the responsibility that went with him. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, as the team went, team went sideways and didn't work out, I'm not sure he had the, you know, the individual maturity or the ability to hang in there. And then of course the injury and everything else went from there. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean this, it's funny, you know, this naming 20 and 21 and 22 year old players mm -hmm. captain is a relatively new phenomenon. I, I don't know. Didn't who started it, I think it, it might've started with Sid actually. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. I, you know, it used to be back in the day that you had to have paid your dues for a significant yeah. period of time. Um, I don't know how Daryl, how old Daryl Sittler was when he took over from Dave Keon, but I, I think it, he probably would have been 23 or 24. So um, asking these young guys to be captain, have these incredible, uh, you know, salaries of 10, 11 million dollars, and then do all that's necessary to do to grow up, live in a big city, and perform every night. You're asking a lot, and. You know, maybe with Jack Eichel, it didn't work. And maybe by the flip side, 
I mean, you watch Austin Matthews play every night and and you think this is a guy who's pretty comfortable and becoming more comfortable in his own skin. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely agree. Okay. We're going to switch gears a little bit here. Still leaf related. You know, are you surprised we picked out all these leaf things from your book? Anyway. I um, expected it. <laughs> so you noted a couple of leaf players that had big roles uh, as part of Team Canada in its history. So Paul Henderson scoring the winner in the 72 Summit Series. Daryl Sittler scoring the tournament winner in the 1976 Canada Cup. Do you think any of the Leafs will make Canada's Olympic team coming up for the Beijing Olympics? And if so, who do you think is going to make the biggest impact? No, isn't that interesting? Well, I mean, the obvious one is is Mitch Barner. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's easier to talk about today after he scored two goals last yeah. year. But yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, he's certainly a candidate. Yeah. He, he's going to be right there. Um, I think Jake Muzzin has been involved before... You know, will he be a candidate this time around? Hard to say. Um, and uh, beyond that, um, I mean, John Tavares has also been, uh, you know, a key part of, of Team Canada in years past. Will he, you know, I mean, we've got so many good young players in the, in the game right now. Totally. So yeah. I think they'll be candidates. Um, I think as a whole, um, the least could end up with quite a few players playing in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jack Campbell for the Americans, Austin Matthews. You think Jack Campbell will, will get consideration now? Well, he would have to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's so good right now. Yeah. He would have to get consideration. Now, whether how serious that consideration is, um, you know, what's going on with Team USA is a little bit up in the air because of Bill Guerin's situation. Um, so, the, you know, there's, there's a lot left um, to be figured out there. Um, and, and you know what? The Americans have a lot of great players too, but mm-hmm. when you have a player who's putting up numbers like Jack Campbell is, yeah. You, yeah. someone has to pay uh, serious I, attention. I agree. I agree. Even if he's like the third goalie, um, I, yeah. I actually think that having our players going to the Olympics, like on on various different teams, like we, like you said, we're going to have a lot of players that that do end up on teams through throughout all the different nations. Um, I actually think it could be a really good thing for us uh, going forward, you know, barring any injuries, knock on wood, um, you know, going let's into the Olympics half go season. To. <laughs> hmm? Yeah, let's well, hope the, the Olympics thing, right? happens with yeah. what's been going on. But uh, mm-hmm. I just was hearing that on the radio, too. But um, yeah, I suppose. Right. I mean, I, I think it's always surprising and hard to predict what players will you know, get a benefit out of being yeah. in the Olympics and what players don't. I mean, it's a long way to go. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be jet lag involved. Um, as you mentioned, injuries can happen. Well, John um, Tavares, perfect example. John Tavares. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, but I mean, as a general rule, I think the players seem to really take being on the Olympic team as a real honor. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you get a guy who hasn't been on an Olympic team before, like Jack Campbell, uh, or like Mitch Marner, it becomes a huge, it, it changes how they think about themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the same time, Lee fans will remember um, when Pat Quinn was the coach and he had to make the decision to right. take Curtis Joseph yeah. out of the net and put Martin Brodeur in the net mm-hmm. in 2002. That created some, some real Yeah, that was the beginning of the end yeah. for Cujo yeah. in Toronto, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, and they all tried to patch it up and cover it mm-hmm. over there. But, look, I was there. Um, everybody knew what had happened. And, I, look, I was no Pat Quinn fan, really. But um, I, I give him credit for making that choice because he put the interest of the team first not the interests of his own team. Um, and that's not always an easy thing to do and hasn't always been done in the past. So I give him a lot of credit for that decision. Yeah, definitely. All right. So before we get into some leaf talk, first about today's leaves. I thought uh, we were already doing it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're always yeah, doing last... leaves talk. Let's, let's yeah. be real here. Yeah, exactly. But one last question about this Canadian division that we had last mm-hmm. last season. It was said that it, was the best chance for a Canadian team to win the cup, which obviously didn't happen. Um, but what Canadian team now do you think has the best chance to win? Who would you say? Well, right? I'm going to say 
I'm going to say the Winnipeg Jets because I think of all the Canadian teams. Well, I, I yeah, with Carey Price out and his future unclear, you know, having Connor Hellebuck in goal, uh, yeah. having that top top guy in goal, um, gives you an opportunity uh, to 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 win the cup. Um, you know, look at what Carey Price did. Yeah. Now mm. Hellebuck wasn't able to do that last year uh, for Winnipeg. But you know that they're playing great hockey right now. Edmonton's playing really well. Toronto is playing really, really well. And then you've got three Canadian teams just playing horribly. And you've got Calgary, which is, you know, I certainly didn't believe that the Flames were going to be that good a team. And now look at what they're doing, and they're getting great goaltending. Yeah. So yeah, Markstrom is a, um, is a good goalie. Jake, Jacob yeah, Markstrom, yeah, he's the, good. Yeah, this other kid they've got in net has got two shutouts, just like you know Joseph Wall got a shutout for the Leafs last night. So yeah, uh, I mean the team I would point to is Winnipeg, um, but I really believe that those who pointed at the Canadian division last year and said, "Well, it's not a very strong division; those teams aren't that good," and then uh, a, I'd say a Montreal got to the final. Um, out of that division and B um, look at those teams and how they're faring this season. I think there's three or four Canadian teams in the top 10 teams in the league. Um, So if you're imagining the possibility of a Canadian team winning the Stanley cup again, I think we're getting closer. I think I said in 2020 that within the next five years, a Canadian team would win the cup because of all the young stars that had come to the Canadian teams. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would, uh, I would stand by that. All right. Well, for the Leaf fans out there, then we're, we're still, we're rooting for our Leafs. <laughs> we're not, well, there's no Jets you know fans I mean? listening to us. In fact, I think we have, well, one. you don't know that for sure. Uh, maybe not. Well, <laughs> I, I just think, I just think the, the Leafs have, you know, they, they're sort of where the Raptors were a couple of years ago and that is they've got to get past the first round yeah that's almost their stanley cup Mm -hmm. is to to get out of the first round yeah once if i think once they get to the once they get out of the first round you might see a team take a run right to the final Mm -hmm. i really i really believe that but you know it's a hard it's a hard trophy to win yeah um they've got so many young players you know tampa's winning stanley cups but look at the age of their top players the Leaf top guys are very, very young. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to pay your dues. You've got to learn what it takes. And I think as good as Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander, um, all these guys are, they're still in my mind. And if you look at the age of teams that lead their teams to Stanley, or yeah, their teams, players that lead their teams to Stanley Cup, they're still very young. So, yeah. you know, when I look at Winnipeg, some of their top guys are a bit older. So, I hate to tell Leaf fans they might have to be a bit more patient, but you might have to be a bit more patient. Well, we've yeah. waited this long, so yeah. we may exactly. as well wait you know a little what? longer. And, and you know, and, and just to add to that point, since we're talking about the Leafs, uh, I have this. I live in a house with a, a house full of Leaf fans, mm-hmm. and I and I had this conversation with one of my kids the other day, and I said, I think you know you've got you're now in a situation where you've got a good team year after year after year after year. Now, the playoffs are a huge disappointment. I get that, but I think what they're doing now is so much more preferable to having one great season, come out of nowhere, get you know make a run to the final four, and then be right back down again. I, I think this is the first time since. Well, I guess since the mid-1970s that you've got a team with real stability, um, uh, you know, at at all parts of the organization. And when you have that team with all that kind of stability and that kind of success year after year, it seems to me you're bound to make a breakthrough. It may happen this season. Well, we're we're hoping for that. Yeah, we are. So (laughs) that's for sure. So with that, let's just get into like a little bit more Leaf talk current Leafs uh, right now. So at the closer to the beginning of the season, we read an article you wrote about the Leafs um, around the time when they played Chicago, which turned out to be the game where they kind of started to turn things around. So in the article you wrote um, that something felt wrong and uninspiring about Keith's team. So now that they are playing better, has your mind changed at all on this? Well, I mean, I, I, I still think, I mean, what I was trying to get at was 
um, that there seemed to be a loss of connection between Leaf fans and their team. Leaf fans. I mean, we, yeah, we've were, discussed that also on our yeah. show. Too. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that they're looking at this team going, we don't necessarily believe in what you're doing anymore. Mm-hmm. And we don't, you know. Now, since then, I think what's really fascinating is you've got a team, a Leaf team, that has kind of changed personalities a little bit. You look at the top 20 scorers in the league, there's no Leafs in there. Mm-hmm. You look at, they're they're in the bottom third of NHL teams in terms of scoring, but now they're in the one of the top teams defensively. I know. I mean, their penalty kill I just saw today is like third in the league. Yeah, <laughs> Who and, thought? And look at you know, <laughs> Joseph, so they they go with a they go on the road. Yeah, play the Islanders last night. Play a rookie goalie. He only had to face twenty shots. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what that is showing is a team that is recognizing that the way they were playing before that was causing this lack of connection, maybe between fans of whether this was all going in the right direction, that there's now an understanding, look, there's got to be a different way to go about this. And that you're seeing, you know, so often when teams struggle defensively, the goalies get the blame, the defensemen get the blame and the forwards just sort of get off scot-free. You need that connection between the forwards and the defense playing both ends of the rink. And I think what we're starting to see is more of that, which is why you're seeing Jack Campbell's numbers. I mean, God bless Jack Campbell. He's playing great. But there have been a few nights where he looks like he's barely getting any shots. Mm -hmm. I think this is a vastly improved defensive team to this point in the season. Mm. And I think they're playing a style right now that a lot more Leaf fans are going to trust might have a chance of success next spring. Well, I, I hope that's I hope that's the case, and I hope the Leafs aren't uh, the Leaf fans are not just you know waiting for that playoffs because to me, like what you're saying, I mean, when the team is having su- success, I mean, as fans, I like. Chris and I, I think we both agree that this is something we should be enjoying on a on a right. game, game game by game basis. You know, we shouldn't yeah. be letting a great season and seeing the the way the team is developing and evolving and putting this together. I mean, you're going to miss that if the only thing that you're focused on is the playoffs, right? I think that's right. I mean, I'm not a fan in the in of of the Leafs in the way people are, but mm-hmm. I, so I sort of look at it from you know, from a, from a distance, but as someone who has watched the Leafs for 50 some years, they have not always had players like this. No, they have not always had, you know, uh, stability like this and, and ownership like this and management like this and coaching like this, you know, you don't hear uh, people uh, as once was the case of whether it was all about, you know, if only Ballard would sell the team. No, I know. Well, you don't have that anymore. You've got legitimate NHL stars playing for this team at a high, high level. One of the challenges they're having is managing the salary cap. Well, they didn't have to do that before. Um, And if you look around the league, I think it's funny, as there are more teams, often it seems to me that the only team some league fans are paying attention to is the Leafs. And if they broaden their perspective a little bit and look the challenges a lot of these other teams are dealing with, they'll look at their own team and say, geez, we're pretty good. Now, that's not to say, you know, to be a fan is to be passionate and to want to win. And the disappointments of the playoffs in the last few years have been soul crushing. I get that. Um, But I think your point is well made. At the end of the day, yeah, you're a fan, but this is also entertainment. And most of the time, these guys are a pretty good hockey team to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to change my question, actually, from what I wrote down. I'm going to, because you were talking about team defense and how they have Timothy Lilligren and Sandine as the bottom uh-huh. pairing now. And we've been hearing some rumors that they want to maybe trade Justin Hull or, or Travis Dermott. But I don't know. The depth on the defense, we've talked about this on other shows. Like, we think it's better that they keep the, that depth. But do you actually think that? Kyle Dubas would like is good with going with like a pair, a bottom pairing defenseman like that. The two young guys are 20 and 21, I think. And like, and basically they were saying like to get nothing for Justin Hall and Travis Dermott. I don't know. What do you think about that's um, that 
defense like that because you were saying like we're strong as team defense, but I I guess I'm just right. not so I'm not so positive on the uh, on the young guys yet to go into the playoffs anyways, especially maybe during the regular season it's fine, but right. Well, and and look, the, I think what the three of us could agree on is that the Leafs are likely to have looked different in the spring than they do right now because they're going to get to the trade deadline and they'll make a move and they're going to do something. Um, and, you know, you look at a team like Montreal, their season's almost gone. Well, they've got a defenseman like Ben Sherratt on an expiring contract. He's going to be out there and available. Now, whether Montreal would trade him to Toronto, I have no idea. But the point is, if they want to change the makeup of their blue line, they're mm. going to have ample chance to do that right now. I mean, Justin Hall was in the lineup last night. Um, you know, uh, Travis Dermott wasn't, I think they're giving a lot of these guys an opportunity to really make the case for staying in the lineup and, you know, being part of this group, they have a different view on what they want their defensemen to be able to do. And mostly what they insist on is that they be mobile and puck movers and be able to make plays and, you know, have get, be able to get out of their own zone by moving the puck. Well, and you know, did that cost them in the, in the first round last year? I'd say no, you know, I, it's not like the Canadians were scoring tons of goals on them or making their defense look bad. It was the Leafs couldn't score on. Yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah. they basically couldn't, make the adjustments on offense to get the goals is, yeah. is what it was, not the defense. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, one of the things that ways to attack that problem is to have more offense created from your, from your blue line. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get more offense from guys like Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren than you are from other types of defensemen. So I, I think, I think you look at the Leafs, you know, their defense, it's a work in progress in terms of deciding, who's going to be there, who's going to be in their top six uh, by the spring. Um, I think they've got pretty good depth. um, And I think it's starting to show up on a nightly basis with their defensive record. Okay. Well, I think we're going to move on. We're going to do something a little different with you now. So uh, as you know, this is a show for fans. Uh, We know that as a journalist, you're supposed to be impartial, but we thought it would be fun for us and our listeners to get to know Damian Cox, the fan. So we have a little quick Q&A for you if you're game. All right, I'm game. Okay, take it away, Chris. Don't don't literally shoot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think you already know this question, but who's your favorite hockey player growing up and your favorite team? Uh, well, I mean, David Keown was my favorite hockey player. And I remember being out playing road hockey and, you know, that was a big thing. Who was, who was playing in the game because everybody wanted to be David Keon. And so, um, you know, he was certainly the guy, I mean, the only games we saw, I grew up in Hamilton. The only games we really saw were, uh, Hamilton or Hamilton were were Toronto games Mm -hmm, and occasionally Montreal games on a Saturday night. So, you know, I mean, they were the team I saw the most. I spent a lot of time watching Hamilton area junior teams, first the Red Wings and then the Finn Cups. Those were teams that I was passionately a fan of. Oh, that's, cool. That's, right. cool. that's a really cool yeah. thing to know. Okay, so you may or may not know we have a segment that we call On the Road with Chris and Syl. We like to go on road trips following our favorite team. Uh, so our oh question my. for you is, uh, do you have a favorite road rink that you visited? And if so, do you have a favorite restaurant in that city? Oh, wow. Okay, so, I mean, the rink that used to be so much fun to go to was the old Chicago Stadium. Yes. I'm dating myself a little bit, but it was amazing. (laughs) That was actually Uh, on our bucket list, but we never got there. We never got there. Yeah, and and Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. Madison Square Garden is, is fantastic. Um, so, uh, those were, I mean, Chicago and New York, who doesn't want to go to Chicago? Mm -hmm. Um, favorite restaurants. I mean, geez, there are always places. There was, there was this Italian place in Edmonton. I used to go to all the time, but I don't remember the name. Um, now you're really testing my memory. (laughs) uh, You're a well-traveled guy. So there's probably lots of cool places that you visited. So, Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I mean one of the one of the great things about 
you know, being around, uh, covering the NHL for as long as I did. I mean, there were only 21 teams in it mm-hmm. when I started covering the league. So they've added all these teams. Um, there was, I remember for a while there was a, a restaurant in San Jose. I can't tell you the name of it, but I used to love, to, I used to, you know, look forward to going to some yeah. places in LA and Manhattan beach. I just can't remember the name of them. That's mm-hmm. all. But, uh, there have been lots of places that became favorites over the years. All right. And final one for me, you've reported on the NHL and the Leafs, but what is your next best sport to cover other than hockey? Well, I mean, uh, I've spent a lot of time covering tennis. I went yeah. to Wimbledon 10 straight years. I've been to the U.S. Open. I've covered a lot, you know, a lot of Canadian Opens. Um, had an opportunity, I mean, during a golden era for tennis with Federer, Nadal, um, Djokovic, Murray, guys like that. And then the rise oh. of Canadian tennis as well. So, um, yeah. you know, that's been – and been able to cover Davis Cup tennis, uh, you know, for Canada during a period where Canada – uh, was really competitive in Davis Cup. So probably tennis, um, yeah. you know, spent right. a lot of time doing it. Um, so it would be those, uh, and if not there, you know, CFL football did a lot of that. Listen, guys, I've been so blessed over the course of my career. I got to cover so many things in different yeah. countries around the world. Uh, I'm the, I'm, I will... I could never cover another game again, and I wouldn't say I was shortchanged. I've been really, really lucky. Well, and we've been so lucky uh, to have you on our show, too. So <laughs> <laughs> so um, well, one last question for me. Um, what's your favorite interview that you've ever done? Boy, um, I remember the first time I really interviewed Wayne Gretzky. I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> it was in his car wow. outside, uh, outside the L.A. Um, practice rink. Mm. And so, I mean, and, you know, over the years, Wayne was always accommodating to me. Uh, there are lots of media people who are a lot closer to him than I ever was. Uh, but he was always accommodating to me, even even for my last Leaf book, the one I did on the 93 season. He was great for that one. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, that's one that sticks out in my mind. I remember my first, when I was, before I was even covering the Leafs, it was the 87 Canada Cup. And I ended up at the Connaught Hotel in downtown Hamilton interviewing the, you know, the head coach of the of the Soviet Union, Viktor Tikhanov. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a memory that, that's, that's crazy. How did I end up doing that? I remember the one Olympics, you know, Matt Sundin, um, and by that point, had covered him for a long time. And mm-hmm. something, I can't remember the exact scenarios, but basically there was a mob of people waiting to talk to him. And it's in the mix zone, which is basically a mob of people. And he saw me and then came over and gave me a bit of time, knowing that I was a Toronto guy that he knew well. And before he went on, did that. And that always stuck in my mind of what a gentleman he was and how... You know, even uh, look, I mean, on teams he was on, I didn't always write the nicest things or the nicest things about him. But, you know, he was a guy who who when you get the respect of somebody like that, you feel like it's that you've kind of been doing it the right way for a long, long time. So, you know, those are just a couple I remember. But, oh, my goodness, there have been so many. I mean, that's one of the one of the things I've really enjoyed about doing uh, the job over the years was not so much the ones that came after games because often they're the least interesting interviews, but really being able to sit down with someone and talk to them and, you know, get their point of view on things. It's a great part of, of the journalism that we do. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. You definitely have a long career with mm-hmm. lots of people you've talked to. You can't remember everything. I have no hair. <laughs> I have no hair. No, I'm all gray. Look at me. I've been around a while. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so Thank you, Damien, for joining us and giving us the opportunity to talk about your new book, A League of Your Own, uh, or our, A League of Our Own, the story of the NHL's first all-Canadian division, uh, which again is only available at Indigo Books. And for our listeners and followers, um, 
With the holiday season coming up, Damien's been kind enough to offer us a copy of his book, which we are going to include in an up and coming giveaway for one lucky person. So be sure to follow us on social media and stay tuned for details on that. As a reminder, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and our handle is at LTL1917. So, Damien, thank you again for coming on our show with us. We cannot thank you enough. It's been such an honor to have you, and we've really enjoyed uh, this time talking about your book and uh, all of our questions answered on uh, Leafs. Yeah, yeah. Thank well, you. Uh, I can... I can tell you the honors all, uh, all you know, has been all mine. Um, I've been watching you guys for a while. I, I think it's really cool and unique what you're doing. Um, and all I can say is uh, I look forward to joining you again someday. Thank cool. you. We will definitely wow. have you on because it seems we have a lot to, that we can still talk about and cover. So. Yeah. Except next time I get to ask the questions of you guys. How's sure. That? I'm more Absolutely. of a question asker than an answer. <laughs> well, we're, we actually had a lot of fun turning the tables on you then for today. Yeah. So yeah. thank you so much. Right. And uh, we will talk to you again. Sounds great. Thanks. We would like to thank Damien so much again for joining us uh, for the third period. And now we would like to highlight what's coming up for our Leafs. Yeah, so over the next couple of weeks, uh, with the exception of Tampa and Chicago, we haven't actually faced any of the teams. Um, so that's it's going to be interesting. Um, we got Nazem Kadri and the Avs coming to town on Wednesday, which is when we release this episode of the podcast. Um, Kadri, I was looking it up before we came on the show. He is on a heater. He's in, I think he's fifth from what I saw there in, in league scoring. Um, so that's really good. He has 27 points. And um, yeah, and then on the road, we go on the road this weekend again. We have back-to-back with Minnesota on Saturday night and then Winnipeg on Sunday. So that's going to be a situation where Joseph Wall, I think, gets in again, depending on how Morazic, uh I don't think Morazic is going to be back in time for the weekend. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And then the week after that, we come back home to face Columbus, Tampa, and then Chicago on the following Saturday night before heading out on the road again. On the road again, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an interesting to see what happens in that in the next couple of weeks with Travis Dermott, who hasn't played in four games now, and not sure if he's going to be dressing versus the Ducks in Anaheim. And there's also Ilya Mikheyev, the soup man, uh, who should be coming back soon. He's been skating quite a bit over the last couple of weeks from what we've heard. And that means a forward is going to have to come out So, um, in order to give him an opportunity. So, so I wonder if there's... Any chance that there could be any moves uh, in this yeah. next little block? Because, yeah, there's they're going to have to do something um, cap-wise and personnel-wise for sure. Yeah, yeah so it's going to be a busy couple of weeks ahead. And you can stay updated on everything to do with the Leafs by following us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at LTL1917. And another way to connect with us is at Kofi.com. You can follow us there. And if you choose to, you can also support us by buying us a coffee. Any donation goes towards helping us produce the show and making it even better for you. You can find the link to our Kofi page on our show notes or in any of our social media profile pages. So as always, thank you to our healthcare workers and everything that they do. Uh, thank you for listening. And please follow or subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app. And we're also up on YouTube as well, if you want to check us out there. Mm -hmm. Stay safe and well, everybody. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Go, go, go. go. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.